Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's the Full 40 with Chris, Rob, and Willie, part of the Nova Insider Network. We are back live, coming to you. We're not live. We're recording. (laughs) We're coming to you. It is 8.45 on December 12th, Monday evening, after a week of two Villanova victories, which is something we haven't been able to say yet. Wow. Um, so think so, about that. Wow. <laughs> it feels good. It should never have happened this late, but here we are. Uh, that all being said, a good, comfortable, easy week, finally. So let, we'll, we'll break down a little bit from what we saw at the games. We'll hand out awards. We'll talk about the Holy War coming up uh, this Saturday. Kind of a, a light week, a little bit of a light week this week. Team gets a couple, you know, handful of days of practice. And whatnot, but uh, but definitely a uh, a good week in the past, and we are back to five and five. Which let's start there. We talked about what does this team need to accomplish to get back into the NCAA tournament picture, and we said it starts with two wins this week, um, and it starts with a third at the end of this week. Uh, but it start start with two wins in the last week, and. Willie, you in particular um, said, I don't just want to not lose those games. I want to see us go out there and win those games. So I'll go to you first. Mission accomplished? Yeah, mission accomplished. I felt that the pen game, I was like, I wanted to see a little bit more. I want It wasn't bad, but I wanted to see us like really stretch it out. Penn, we you know, were up like 18, then Penn came back. I didn't feel great about it. BC was what I wanted to see. The BC game was the game where we started well. It was the the first game, maybe for the entire, not even maybe, for the entire season that we started well. Armstrong was seven straight points to start. And I thought that's interesting because Mark's taking control. And that just means once Caleb and everyone else settles in, once Cam comes in, we're going to start rolling. And we did. We, and may, it wasn't wire to wire because of course BC hit a three to start the game, but after that, we were rolling. So I feel good. 20-point win. We got to see Colin O'Toole got time. That's that's what it is. Colin O'Toole. I think it's his name. His name's Colin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, a, it's a tool. It's a tool. Yeah, right? yeah. I was like, uh, uh, he pick got his, time. Pick as Irish of a name as you could think of. <laughs> he got time, which is, that tells you all it is. Like, that's what I wanted to see, where we, like, actually won and controlled a game basically from start to finish. Um, I know BC is not great, but you know what? Delaware State's not good. And that's right. We couldn't go to Delaware State. Um, even outside of Cam, you can tell that we're figuring things out. The non Cam lineups aren't a disaster. We're figuring things out. Um, so I feel good. Mission, mission accomplished. Yeah, I kept I kept coming back to in my head, I kept going back to uh BC is really not that good and Penn was missing their second leading score. You know, are these wins really that good? And I kept having to remind myself, we barely beat Delaware State, and Delaware State sucks. So we should be happy about this. Like, this is definite improvement. 
regardless of the fact that these are not like strong opponents, but the headline for me is, is Cam motherfucking Whitmore. Good God. Like it pays to have a, a future top five NBA lottery pick on, on your roster. Turns out he's pretty good at basketball. I just, it, it's shocking, you know, like the team gets a lot better when he's on the court. I, who would have thunk it? I will fully admit though. And this is maybe me just being an idiot, but like, the amount that he makes the team better is crazy. He's so good. Like, just I can't take my eyes off him when he's on the court. He literally he operates at such a different level than anyone else. It's really absurd to watch. And I'm loving it. Absolutely loving it. it makes my week a lot better. Yeah. It's it's crazy. I guess we gotta start with Cam. Like, I don't know how much we, we might can as well. Cam five minutes without it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought I, I thought we'd get a little bit further in before we can't actually wait more podcast is over. All right. <laughs> Next week. So 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 yeah, I mean Cam Whitmore was was fucking electric this week. Like we thought the Oklahoma game when he scored like seven points in 20 minutes was the Cam Whitmore game. No, 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 no. I don't know if we've seen the Cam Whitmore game yet. And he scored 40, 40 points this week. Yeah. Um 40 points. total off the bench. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> he scored he scored 40 points in in 50 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty good. That's pretty, yeah, pretty fucking good. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's honestly like it, it, it was, this was a thing that was said today. Villanova hasn't had a freshman like this since Tim Thomas. Yeah. Right? Like, like, totally. like it's crazy. Like basically Jay Wright, four final fours, two national championships, never had a player like this. Never yeah. had a player like this. Yes, yeah. he had top ten draft picks. Um, was Mikhail ten or was he? Mikhail was yeah. Mikhail was ten or nine. I think he was nine. Okay, and um, and Randy Foy was like seven in the two thousand six draft or something like that, right? Like, but those guys were like seniors. Those yeah. guys were older. This guy is going to be a top five draft pick, and he could be three, two. I don't know about one. No, it can't. It can't be one. It's it's Wemby and it's uh, a Wembenaya or whatever his name is. Yeah, but, it's, but, it's Wemby and Emerson. The highest he could probably be is three, and that's yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, but either way, this is not just like oh, we have a lottery pick freshman on our team. This is a guy who didn't play basketball for seven weeks and yeah. just comes into Division One college basketball and just is like immediately dominant. Right, like yeah. this isn't like oh he's gonna get drafted because of athleticism crazy and it's on potential whatever no like he's also skilled he's, he's hitting, so good he's hitting They're... three pointers he's hitting his free throws right like there's something like simple like a free throw like you see guys who are going to the draft like and like a lot of times they kind of get up and they just fucking like throw throw balls up there and it kind of works out to 70, 75 percent free throw percentage has he missed a single free throw yet has he missed he one has. I he think has. he's missed yeah. one yeah but. No, to your point, I think we look at it like what he's doing is there are, like you said, there are top 10 picks who come in and they're going to be a top 10 pick based off of skill yeah. or based off of latent talent, or whatever it may be. Like to give you an example of another person who's about the same size as him, who missed time and has come and started to play, Dariq Whitehead at Duke is also going to be a top 14 pick, lotto pick. Whitehead is averaging over three games, six two and less than assist and assist shooting 37 26 and, and 86 from the line 
he'll figure it out. Derek Whitehead is going to be a great college basketball player or a good college basketball player eventually, and then will be an NBA lotto pick. He, but what Derek Whitehead is doing, Cam Whitmore has come and instantly been, been a – I don't think there have been 25 better college basketball players in the last two weeks than Cam Whitmore. Full yeah. stop. I, yeah. I, I, the number might be lower. But I yeah. want to be like, there have not been 25 better in the last two weeks since he started. There have not been. He is, the level of skill is insane. His, his like, shot is like better than I thought it would be. Like It's I, so I pretty. I didn't think it'd be, I didn't think he'd be a bad shooter by any stretch of the imagination. I didn't think we'd see this. What's, I've said this last week, what impressed me, the, has impressed me the most is his defense. He's, his help defense is way better than I thought it would be. He's able to guard everyone. Um, he's really not fouling yet. And I'm sure yeah. if we face better teams, there's going to be people who, like if I'm St. John's, I'm like, how do I attack Cam Whitmore and get him in foul trouble? Because it's so apparent he's the difference that maybe you start attacking him. But as of now, like no team's been able to do it. No team's gotten him in foul trouble. He's going to face better wings. He's going to face Andre Jackson, he's going to face David Jones, he's going to face Baylor Scheinman and Arthur Kuluma, and he's going to have more of a challenge in the Big East play, but, or Colby Jones, let me get Colby Jones in that little shout out, he's great, but um, he's, the level of skill, the talent, the, he, I, I can, I could go on and on, but. Yeah, he's it, got good instincts, man. He yeah. uses athleticism. It's not just purely like athleticism to help him recover. He's also got good instincts. Like you talked about his help defense. I mean, his highlight play from the BC game, which is hilarious because it's not the Shaq fit man play for the week, yeah. but like, but like, but like his, is like where he intercepted that pass was just like, he just read that whole situation playing out and just dove at the ball, got it. And, and was in a breakaway by himself. There's like, another play that he did defensively that like, he didn't end up on the, like on the final end, but in the second half, I forget who it was, was driving down and tried to post him up. And he went up and like, I don't know if Cam blocked the shot or stole the ball, but it was on the, uh, just kind of took it from him, passed it up, passed it to Caleb, who then, or passed it to, yeah, Caleb, who then passed it to Hausen for the three in the corner. It was Hausen's second of the back-to-back threes that he had. Cam started that play with a weird defensive play. Just like, I've watched it like multiple times. Like, did Cam steal it? Did he foul it? I don't foul him. I don't know what he did. All of a sudden, Cam, the guy was backing down Cam in the post. He went up and Cam had the ball in his hands and were going the other way. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't understand defensively how he's this good. He's like, I, I would, I'll take him and I'll, I'll pick a different aspect of him. His sheer physicality is absolutely insane. Like yeah. otherworldly. We have, to, to other elements, we haven't had a player like this. Physically, we haven't had a player like this at, at Villanova that I can think of. He's six foot seven. He's built like a, fucking truck and just like has speed he's got crazy hops I, I i don't know how you stop him willie to your point like i don't know the rest of big east can be like oh yeah we'll, we'll do this we'll do that i mean good luck like i'm gonna put this guy up against anybody it doesn't matter he is gonna be an absolute problem for anybody to stop regardless of where they are on the big east first team second team like Forget it, man. This guy is is the real deal. I more is more his NBA comps. Like he's kind of like our little LeBron. Like, but he's not. But he's like no, he, he doesn't. He's he not like he a LeBron. He's a better three point, point shooter he than a LeBron. Play point. Yeah. So 
I, I, for those who don't know, I like spend a lot of time doing like draft stuff. <laughs> yeah, um, Brian. Sorry, Brian. No, I'm chat. not saying he's like. Yeah, yeah. I'm no, saying like you, like for you, no. Wait, for Villanova, but he absolutely said, that. You you absolutely said, said he was like LeBron. I said a little LeBron, like for Villanova. Yes, you just said he's a little like LeBron. Have you ever seen LeBron? <laughs> I'm you, fucking tired. You watch basketball. Oh my god, I fucking love LeBron. Well, Vladi's like, Vladi's like, let's make an NBA comparison. What's the only NBA player I know? LeBron James. <laughs> no, 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 no. Probably like that LeBron wasn't it at all. That was it all Michael... going with like Andre Drummond and Sean Kemp. Like maybe Michael Jordan. He's probably more of a Jordan <laughs> comp. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Jordan Pippen. Have you ever seen Fine. Michael Jordan and LeBron James mix them together, <laughs> and then there's Cam Whitmore? No, uh, obviously. I'm being facetious, like about the LeBron thing, but like, but like, I'm I'm genuinely curious about the comps. Yeah, so I do. I I tend to do this a lot for when I do my draft guides, which I'm working on right now. And Cam, I've kind of avoided going full deep into. What I get is there's two players that kind of come to mind without like really diving into it. It's OG Ananobi of the Toronto Raptors, and then one who's problematic and terrible person. Miles Bridges is probably the most Ooh, like thanks. straightforward in terms of like how they play. I feel like Miles Bridges is a good comp, obviously shit person. So don't really doesn't, love that. Doesn't but, play right now. Yeah, doesn't play right now. But those are the two that come to mind. Um, I'm sure I'll have a more refined one once I really like <laughs> once I really get into it. It's Brian's putting terrible things in our chat, yeah. which will not be. Will not be I saw Rob's face when he read what I wrote in the chat. <laughs> it's terrible. We're, we're oh, off the walls. Yeah. So, oh, so anyway, yeah. back to back to Cam Whitmore. Like, I, I don't know what else to say. Like, I, I, I guess I do have a question. Let, let's 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 dive into this a little bit. Is this mini resurgence three wins two against bad competition whatever but like is this mini resurgence relative to the season purely Whitmore or is it or is it Whitmore being so good and his impact on everybody else loosens everybody's loosened loosens everybody else up or has the other pieces around him also elevated simultaneously and we're seeing kind of like a duplicate like a double effect so to speak of Whitmore plus advanced of everybody everyone else advancing I would say it's a lot of the second one of Whitmore right like lifting rising tide lifting all boats and a bit of the third of other players starting to get better um I think the, the I think the big thing I would I think about is I feel like Chris Arch has become more playable with playing he's playing next to Cam. And that's like the rising tide lifting all votes. I feel like that's where you see that happening. Um, where I feel like people are getting better is I feel like Armstrong's settling yeah. in. I feel like Daniels is has a little bit less on him now. And he hasn't been like, I hasn't really felt like he needs to do much. Um, he's coming in for huge shots like we saw at the Oklahoma game. But I still feel like Daniels, so I feel like it's helping Daniels a bit more. I think it's definitely more of Cam changes so much for us on the floor in terms of there's now gravity where, okay, now we're like, there's a person who can create his own shot and get to the rim at will. We're already seeing Cam hasn't gotten a lot of assists, but he's a willing passer. And that's yeah. going to come where eventually we're going to start putting like, there's going to be situations where you put Hawson in the corner and okay, are you going to help off Hawson to go to deal with Whitmore? Because that's three points automatically once Cam, once Cam gets in the lane. 
um, and passes it to Hosen. So I feel like a big chunk of it is rising tide, helping all the other players play what they do, what they do best is by uh, having Cam. I do feel like, however, from a defensive cohesion and from like a not pushing it, everyone's been playing a little bit better. I feel like Cam, and this is, I, I, feel, I feel like I'm really getting back to number two, just as Cam helping people play, uh, feel more comfortable. I think about how I've seen Slater play, which hasn't been like, he hasn't done anything absurd, but I feel like he has a little pressure off of him where he's now able to fit into that more of the, like we called about it, the glue guy. Yeah. yeah where he's able to do that a little bit more and be aggressive at times in that. Yeah. Um, I feel like weirdly the person is probably negatively in fact, in fact, and I don't negative is the wrong word for it is Dixon, but Dixon's also gotten foul trouble early in both games. So I'm still a little bit like, I'd be curious to see what the cam with Dixon minutes look like over time as well. Mm, it's interesting. Because yeah. a lot of times we're going small with cam at the five when Dixon's on the bench. So they're really not playing together too often. Yeah. I, I generally agree with your point. I think most of the improvement is cam lifting people and allowing them to play their more of their natural role or a role they're more comfortable with. I do think it is important. The two guys that do stand out to me, um, you know, Willie, you, you mentioned one directly, which is Mark Armstrong. I think he's settling in for sure. And the other guy, I've been on it since minute one, is our three-point specialist, Mr. Housen, is just continuing to be hyper-efficient in his scoring. He comes in, he plays a role, he hits shots, he sits back down. The dude needs more minutes because he's an absolute killer out there. And I absolutely love watching him play. So those two guys, for me, I think have materially stepped up their game as the season has gone on and gotten more opportunities to show that as well too, in addition to benefiting from camp. So yeah, my headline is, I think most people benefit from camp being in and those two guys in particular, I think are stepping their game up as well. And hopefully that continues to go on as the season. Need more housing though. One th- <laughs> quick thing about housing that I've noticed is super interesting. Housing, housing. I don't know what it is. I, don't, I, yeah, just, I was going to say, what is it? Is I say housing. I think it's housing, but um, one quick thing that I've noticed is I have not, in all my days watching basketball, seen a person who can come in cold and his first shot is always good. It's his ability that his first three that he takes is just butter is absurd. The fact that, like, I feel like there's players who, all right, maybe they don't shoot for like three minutes, but they're running up and down. They're getting, you. they're getting, you know, they're grabbing, they grab a rebound, they get an assist, and then they get shots up. They get into a rhythm. Hawson just wakes up like this. He gets on the court. We and I go back to the or, or to the Iowa State game. He got on the court to hit a three, and they, we made a play for him. He he was on the bench, took a three, hits the three. The same thing happened in Oregon. It's his first shot is always good, yeah. and it, every time it goes in, I expect it to go in, but it always baffles me. I just want to say that he's there. He's an amazing shooter. I yeah, I, seen like this yeah. I was gonna say like. I don't want to. I don't want to be too hyperbolic, but I remember, you know, now, now we can show our age, right? I remember the hype when like Corey Stokes comes in, right? And Corey Stokes is, you know, he's recruited. He's this great recruit. He's a like, Bayon bomber. Bayon bomber. He's a three point specialist. Corey Stokes is like a nice freshman, like a night, a nice freshman year. And you're like, okay, great. And he, he grew into like a really, a really solid. I'm sure if you look at his numbers, he probably shot a little over forty percent or something like that, which is great by any means. I do not remember at any point during his freshman year being like, oh, Corey Stokes is just going to, I mean, it's kind of his personality too. Like Corey Stokes is going to come in and like 
just light the world on fire. I think it's just a more casual like personality on the on the floor. And there's nobody else. There's been nobody else since then. You know, we talked about Cole Swatter. Cole Swatter was supposed to Cole Swatter was supposed to be that guy, but he wasn't really that guy. And and that's it. And then we've got you know certainly the Joe Cremo was was definitely supposed to be that guy. And Joe Cremo was not that guy. I got two um, guys. I got two guys, yeah. Rob, who I think sort of fit the bill of what Willie was getting at. One was a fresh. One as a freshman, Colin Gillespie. Um, Two, two, a guy who wasn't a freshman transfer, but I, but when he came in, he would come in cold and, and fucking rip threes early in the season. Didn't, didn't last. Taylor, Taylor King. King. He, Taylor I, King. I, Taylor I, King. I, I knew Taylor King was coming up. He yeah, ripped, ripped, ripped some other stuff too. But. Yeah. 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 He'd, he'd rip, he'd rip threes, rip bonks, rip lines. Yeah. He was ripping a lot, but he was yeah. he, he was he was ripping threes when he got in. Um, but yeah. that was uh, but those were those are guys who I think kind of had fit that similar bill. I think Colin, I push on a little bit because he was like he, he also handled the ball more even when he was coming in. That's that fair, year, which is, which is kind of weird. Like it's a little bit of a different role. Like how can you stand in the corner? I'm going to pass his ball, and it goes up and it hits your fingers. That's Just it. like the freshman guy who doesn't yeah, play yeah. a ton of minutes, but 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 yeah. but plays his role well and whatever. Yeah. Um, look, I, I think that the freshmen in general have stepped up their game. Obviously, Whitmore has been superb, and we've talked a lot about him already, and we'll find more to talk about um, in a bit. Armstrong. The game against BC in particular, I said to myself while I was watching Mark Armstrong play point guard, this is a Villanova guard playing point guard right right now. Like he he was, I felt like that was Mark Armstrong's I am now the point guard game. I'll be, interested to see, I'll be interested to see what the rotation continues to look like, but I believe, did his minutes exceed Arch? Yeah, I believe BC, so. In the BC game now. We were comfortably in the lead for most of the game, so that could that might have been part of the reason yeah, why. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay. But 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 Mark Armstrong saw the majority of the minutes at the one, and and he played in control. He didn't go outside the offense like we talked about earlier in the season, where he kind of went freelance or whatever. He scored, but he scored in the rhythm of the offense, and he created. He did it from he did it at all the different levels. So. I, I thought Armstrong's level stepped up and Housen is going to be a guy, such a good shooter where we ask him to play a particular role. We have to change our defense when he's in, we have to play zone. It's just like, we can't really do. We also haven't been doing that as much lately. No, I know. But when he's in, we do. <laughs> I think, I think even that's reduced a little bit. I've seen a little, a little bit. bit more man, a little bit, a little bit, but, but we have to, but, but he is definitely limited on the defensive end, but he's so good on the offensive end that he makes up for it. That his, that that effort on the defensive end plus him getting open, him stretching the defense, him stretching the floor, even if he's not shooting, is makes him a value add to the team to be on the court, right? Two guys who haven't been as great of late. Um, you mentioned Dixon. I'm not as worried about Dixon. I'm not really worried. About, I'm not even going to call it. It's not, to me, it's not worth. Yeah, a call it's, it's not worry. It's just like it's yeah. a couple games. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, there that's, were other players stepping up. Longino's been hurt, um, so he's been a little bit shakier of late. 
And then the guy who's kind of in jail from all this. So you're kind of getting a little sense of where Neptune's at in terms of how far he wants to spread this roster is, is Angelo Brizzi, um, where he was being talked about as, is he going to be the point guard over Armstrong or Arch? And he's not playing. Um, just like, to be clear, he's not in jail like Chris Beard. He's just in, in proverbial <laughs> jail. So just, yeah, just we got to clarify these things. Hell of a comparison. Um, <laughs> but but yes, he has found his way to the deep bench. And <laughs> Rachel's like, Beard is out on bail. Um, the head of prison. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> I mean, this is a fucking silly podcast right now. But anyway. <laughs> the What about Trey Pat? Trey Patterson's been playing. He's been getting the deepest. He has been getting some minutes. Yeah. He's been he's been part of the regular rotation. It's been watch a game, Rachel. Bench minutes. <laughs> he's he's not. He's the ninth man as of But right he now. is the ninth man. Totally. So I'm you're not used to us having such a deep bench. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> a lot to keep track of. So you're starting to see a little bit of of what Neptune is um, going to do when more players come back, I am interested to see what happens when a more comes back now, because, because what does he do? Does he drop one off? Does he go to 10 or does he drop another player off the, the regular rotation? Um, so, so this, is, about, oh. so, so this is kind of where I'm at with, with, with it is that I also think it's interesting to see what Kyle Neptune's done with kind of the, the rotation with, with, with Whitmore coming back. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Do you do you guys think that he makes the change to the starting lineup on Saturday? Does Whitmore enter the starting lineup? Nah, not yet. No, no keep coming off the bench. Brings that big, big, big energy guy. And if he does, if he does start, who who sits? When he does start, because he, I think eventually he will start. I think you bench Arch. I think Mark has done enough where you start mark you have cam if he if we think about like security blankets of like are right, you're gonna do the right thing you're gonna play well cam's the art cam is our ultimate security blanket right now i feel like he'll be comfortable with cam with cam caleb um brandon and eric that enough to throw mark out there bye so i that's what i guess it would be when that happens logically saturday makes sense um I'm going to go ahead and say it'll probably be – we're playing St. John's at home. Yeah, St. John's. Yeah. So I, I'm going to go ahead and say we're going to give – but this is like we have the full week off. So if there's a time to do it, it makes sense to do it now, right before you get into Big East play. Here's the lineup I want to see. I want to see – everybody else is going to hate this. I want to see Mark, Caleb, Housen, Whitmore, and Dixon. Just – Good luck defending that lineup. I actually love it because you got Mark, who's like the natural point guard. We know what he brings to the table. Got Caleb playing the two. Housen's just in there just jacking threes. Like, good luck. Whitmore marked up against a four. Like, sign me up all day, baby. And then Dixon at the five. It's beautiful. That's the lineup I want to see. It's a good offensive lineup. I'll probably never see it. I'll probably never see it. It's a good offensive lineup. I don't think it's going to be a. I don't think it's going to win you a lot of games on the defensive. Hey, end. how how do you how do you win games? You score more points than the other team. Yes, but That's limiting the other team's points, points is now, part of that. They don't have to because we'll score on every possession. According to Pat Ken Palm, our only chance is to outscore teams right now. So, so uh, so 
So, I, honest question though, I, I, I do think, I do think we, I think Whitmore has to be in the starting lineup. That, that's kind of my take. I, like, eh, I, it might not be right now, but like, he's not going to be a bench player. Like this, I mean, this it, is that, this it, is just a injury minutes restriction situation. Sure. Nah. Like twenty six minutes. I feel like we're. I feel like. I feel like any minutes restriction thing we talk about now is just like you play twenty six minutes. That's like. That's the game, you know. So yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 I just logically it has to be St. Joe's. You're at home. Oh, we're not at home. Whatever. But let him, let him let him deal with Hagen. Let him figure it figure it out in Hagen. It, once again, it'll that'll be his first hostile environment. Um, how hostile? We'll see. I don't know. I don't know how St. Joe's attendance has been going, but I'm with you. I I mean, he's he's going to start. Let's put it. And because I've seen some people on the internet be like, he's oh, why isn't he still starting? Whether it happens St. Joe's, whether it happens St. John's, whether it comes by UConn, Cam Whitmore will be starting for us. That's not there's not anything to worry about. Yeah, this is it's more likely that Armstrong goes to the bench to give a spark off the bench than Cam never comes back on. Yeah, that's kind of actually what I was getting at is like, do you actually get into a situation now until Moore comes back where you start Arch and you actually have Armstrong fit into the Villanova six starter role that we've become very accustomed to seeing where he becomes that second guy, second guard who comes off the bench and provides a big spark. I, I think that there could be value in, in that yeah. role um, for him. And I think that like he could still see 25, 30 minutes. He could be the DiVincenzo booth role, so to speak, that we've become accustomed to over the Corey Fisher may even be may, Corey Fisher might be the best analogy, but like kind of like that kind of guy coming off the bench. I kind of like Mark in that role. Like if if he if if Neptune feels like hey Armstrong's only going to really absorb the flow of this game <laughs> in the starting lineup, then I could see an argument to switch it around. But I am interested to see kind of see the progression of Arch throughout the season because really I fully agree with something you said earlier. This Arch has looked like good for the last week of of basketball plus and i thought even in the pk85 obviously no no one looked particularly good but like even pk85 the end of that i thought he was the only one still playing still playing fully into it and like heading the game and then and then the last three games i thought he's played well he's fit his he's fit the goal of what he needs to be able to do yeah um i don't know i'm 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 struggling with with this, I'm sure Kyle Neptune is as well of like how exactly he's going to, he's going to get into this flow. I, I will tell you that when more comes back, my expectation is the starting lineup will be more Caleb um, Whitmore Slater and Dixon. That's what I think the starting lineup is going to be for this team. And, and then I think Armstrong will be the sixth man. That's, that's how I see the lineup going from from when we get more back until that do you start arch and have and have armstrong come off the bench or do you flip it or do you or when it or if armstrong takes the starting point guard role do you do does that actually result in a promotion for angelo brizzy back into the rotation we are speculating so far that we've got no, I don't know, but, but, it, but this is a narrative it doesn't it doesn't it's matter a narrative it's, it's, not a, it's, not, it's not a narrative you're talking about justin moore justin moore is like I don't know, a month and a half away from returning. It's, it's ridiculous. I don't know. You still have no fucking clue when he's going to come back. It's, yeah. It's well, speaking of starting lineups, there was a guy who was announcing our starting lineup. Oh, my on God. Game. Oh, my God. So ridiculous. Oh, yeah. 
Let's talk about that. We, we need to talk about Jay Wright announcing. Uh, it was terrible. It was terrible. Jay Wright announcing. What? I don't think it was. Like, was no. Do you mean terrible yeah, as in for terrible. us or like? All right. All right. Yeah. That's okay. Fair. That's fair. Yeah. That's a good push. It he was, did a good job. It was weird. It was weird. Yeah. That, that's a better way of saying it. Yeah. And it was probably only weird for for like close Villanova listeners. If you're like a casual listener, you're probably like, oh, okay, cool. It's Jay Wright. It's fine. Not a big deal. But yeah, I mean, there it, were definitely it, a few points where you're like, mm. Guys, kind of strange. There was just a lot going on there on Wednesday's broadcast. Uh, you had you had um, Lapis and Jay sitting next to each other commentating the game, and you had to have like Lapis like sucking Jay off like half the time, being <laughs> like like Coach, when 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 you were going on these runs, like did you what did you think about this guy? Like, like and it was kind of and it was kind of crazy. Like Lapis is just like a like he's crazy the way he comes across. Like he comes across like really a does. literal psycho. Like yeah. just ants in his pants, psycho. Um, and Jay is calm, cool, collect. Jay is Jay, right? Like it's Jay, but like when he's commenting, man, we gotta talk about his like whole like approach and and everything. Like he spent several minutes of that game shitting on freshmen. Yeah, right? like, 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 like multiple occasions. Jay Wright hates freshmen. Yes. yes. If the uh, look, I this way. I had UConn guys. I had other people DMing me on Twitter, being like, "It's weird, right? Like, it's not just yeah. you guys. It's fucking weird that he is so like adamant on this point." But like, if the argument was or the narrative around Jay was that Jay hates freshmen going into this role. He certainly hasn't put the rumors to bed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's like one of those things. It's like, oh, we always, you know, you, you kind of joked about it and you drew some conclusions based on what you saw that he wasn't playing them. And now it comes out. It's like, oh, yeah, he just clearly is, has this thing against freshmen. Like, and what we're referring to specifically is he made several digs. Like, I think Cam's on the floor and the probably the first play Cam is. I don't he know, didn't box boxed out. out. Yeah, or something like that. He didn't box out and he lost the rebound. And Jay just jumps in there with the dig, like, that's that's why you don't that's why you don't play freshman. And, you know, something to that effect. Like, oh, that's what you get. Like, needs more time in the gym. Like, what, what are you talking about? Like, this is ridiculous. Just it's commentary that you you wouldn't get or you wouldn't expect from other people. Like it's a, it's a specific angle. It's coming from such a personal place that it came off as very like very much a dig, which like you're not supposed to do as a color and guy. What so I'm curious strange. about is would he have done that if it wasn't Villanova for his first game? If he was calling, mm. but if he was even calling Xavier versus Cincinnati for his first game, yeah. would, and a Xavier freshman made a mistake, would he have done that? Because I'm very, I'm just curious about that. And he has other game. I mean, he will be on other games. I'm assuming throughout the year. We'll so we'll have a chance to hear that. But it was so interesting. Just like it, the freshman was the big thing. Um, that was just like he it's like all right jay we get it you have this thing against freshmen but then what's also hilarious was he also like anointed cam whitmore on it a legend 25 minutes into his villanova career yeah <laughs> he said he called him a star and a villanova legend he said he's he was already a star he's now a villanova legend he had been playing here for 25 minutes was he wrong not at all no but, no not wrong but I, I so so like we've gotten shit about this on from like 
on Twitter and whatever being like, you guys say Jay hates freshmen. There's no evidence of that because look at his track record of playing freshmen, right? And people list JRE, Bay, Moore, Brunson, right? Like, like Arch, Chef, Hilliard, like, and they go back through the annals of Villanova basketball and, and Jay's history and say, he played freshman. Like, like, how can you say he doesn't play freshman? I'm sorry. For every one of those Brunson and all the other guys, you got you, Javon, you got Javon Quinterly, players. you got Brian Antoine, you got you got all these guys, you got a host of names, Nana and Joku, you got tons of names throughout the his history that he didn't play. And it's like, yeah, playing Jalen Brunson, you don't get a fucking pat on the back for playing Jalen Brunson, right? Like, like, like yeah, sorry, exactly. like that's not like I'm not I'm not doling out compliments for the fact that you played a guy who was like 27 mentally when he entered college, right? Like, like you don't get credit for that. Like you get credit for getting a freshman who is a work in progress, who we understand is work in progress into a game, right? Like a guy like a Mark Armstrong probably plays under Jay. Yeah. But not as much as Kyle Neptune has played him. A guy like a Hausen doesn't play under Jay because he does not do what we need him to do on the defensive end. Until he proved that he could play the switching defense, he wouldn't be in on the floor. Right? Yeah. Like this is the these are the comparisons, right? Like Jay playing Cam Whitmore. Yeah, of course he'd fucking play Cam Whitmore because like again, you don't get credit for that, right? Like, like that's an easy decision. Yeah. Right? Like, like, yeah. Yeah. You, he, you had said it. Everyone that you had named in that entire string played in the NBA. Justin Moore is the only one who has not played an NBA minute yet, and conceivably will play an NBA will play an NBA minutes. Arch and Dio were coming in at a time where we needed freshmen to play, and so he had to take. Like we were, we needed a culture change. He pulled in people that were he felt the culture would change with. He had to, you have to play through the mistakes. There's a, and you, I said, you said something that was really good. There's like, there are freshmen that are lottery picks. There are freshmen that are top 15 that are going to play because of their, their future NBA players, whether or not they came to Villanova. It's the development of the freshmen on the edges that we've seen that's been missing. Mm. And that's just, it's just been missing. It, it hasn't happened the way that it should be. Every other, if, if a freshman played for Villanova or played for Villanova prior to Jay Wright, they were going to be a stud. That's just, or not prior, during Jay Wright's era, they were going to be a stud, which is a good thing. Obviously, you want stud freshman to play. But then we get, to, and we're not going to go into whole development talk, but he did not play freshmen that were on the fringes and let them work through their mistakes. Kyle's doing that. I, what I wanted to call out was, and I'm going to invoke this person's name on the podcast. There will be people who are yelling at us. When Quinterly was here, yep. that's the player where like, Jay wanted something so specific out of him and what it, and I can't argue with what Jay did. Jay's a freaking hall of famer, greatest coach. One of the greatest college roster coaches of all time. I owe so much of my personal happiness to Jay Wright. So I can't really like argue right. against this, but Jay needed the show to show the defense to get, to earn his trust and what other coaches have done and what Nate Oates did for Quinterly in Alabama and what Kyle's clearly starting to do a little bit in our own Villanova way is how about I give you the run to like do what you're good at, but I'm still going to ask you to get better on switching and to get better defensively. And that's what it is. And I feel like Jay was able to be like, you're not going to play if you're, you're not, uh, you're not going to play if you are uh, making mistakes. 
Yeah. But the, realistically, the more scalable and efficient way across most college, most of college basketball is, hey, do what you're good at, but I'm going to ask you to keep giving 100% effort on this end, and I'm not going to yank you for a mistake immediately. All this to say, it was weird that Jay Wright kept harping on freshmen. Yeah. But, the, yeah. The, 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 this is the point, right? Like, is that, like, you walk in and you say, okay, Jay, once you separate the two types of freshmen out, Right, like all of a sudden it becomes abundantly clear that especially later on in his career, right? Yeah. Like, like this was something that developed over time. This is this was not as strong of a thing 10 years ago. This is much stronger at the back end of his career, where I mean Kyle has now started to like widen the lens a little bit. And Jay was critiquing that on the on the podcast, yeah. on the well, well, he was in the booth. He was 100% critiquing the fact that Neptune was rolling as deep as he did. Yeah. On it, right? Like, and that, yeah. and that was, and that was, that was what he was doing. So when you say, oh, the Jay hates freshmen, when I'm getting DMs from people being like, I'm a fan of another team, this is a little bit weird, right? Like, that was it. Like, it, and yeah. to that point, to that point, Jay said, Jay basically didn't want to do NIL. He didn't want to do whatever, like that rumor was going around. Like, this all kind of goes to the same place. It really does. Like, yeah. like, like, like maybe he did hang up the clipboard at the right time. Yeah, college <laughs> basketball was changing when he – and kudos to him, recognized. Right. Don't want to change with it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. because we've seen plenty of coaches, <laughs> Jim Behan, <laughs> like oh, not God. change with the times and get and, – and basically run programs into the ground over time. So I credit Jay for that. I Like we yeah. love – like look, we love Jay Wright. No, I, I feel like if you have to say that over and over again for people to believe it, like it's crazy. Like Jay did more sure. for the school, like maybe more than Father Peter, but like second to Father Peter, or like right in that zone, like than than anybody you could name in in Villanova history, right? Like he is unbelievable for for the university, for the basketball program, and everything that he did for the school. The guy's unbelievable. I feel like I don't need to say that, right? Like, yeah. but but the, this is an example of something where maybe him handing off the reins was, was right. And like, it was weird the way he announced that game. At the same time, I thought he was still pretty good at it. He, I, nothing was wrong. I think he did pretty well. Um, I thought his excitement for uh, what was his excitement. What was weird or funny was so when Cam made, which we're going to allude to, and I'm going to call it out when he made the Shaq Fitman play of the week, because we know what it is. Yeah. There's no wow, debate. Way to spoil the whole I, episode. Big spoiler the alert. whole <laughs> freaking episode. I spoiled it all. Why but, are we even here? But surprise, surprise, we know what the play was. When he made that play, it was hilarious because him. the commentary was, because Cam had mispracticed, Jay was like, well, if you could do plays like that, you don't have to practice, which is just hilarious <laughs> coming from Jay Wright. Um, but he's also not wrong. Um <laughs> So I thought that was interesting. Something to call out just to go back to the freshman thing for one second. It changed when Dante and Omari left. I feel if I, like my personal opinion is Jay got more defensive over playing freshmen after Dante and Omari left early. Not yeah. that he played them particularly early, but everything changed his whole, I'm sure Jay had a six-year roster philosophy lined up and then Dante and Omari left and he was like, well, fuck, what, happen what happens to yeah. year two and three yeah, of this? Exactly. And ever since then, it's been, it was ironclad. And I went back and I know it's a little bit because of uh, what was needed in the like lineup wise, but like people forget Dylan Planer played in 22 games his freshman year, which was before Dante. That's wild. 
That's wild. And like he didn't do anything. Like let's get let's be like oh, also help. his freshman year, we were like fucking all on God mode. Yeah. Right. Like we, so every game was a blowout. <laughs> yeah. So but yeah, he I mean we're also, we were seven deep. So like I get Painter playing a little bit, but like he he played. Jay let him play. So it's very interesting. Um yeah, uh, but it was a good I overall I give Jay like a it was probably like a B plus performance. The freshman thing was weird. Yeah. He got really excited. I'm excited to I think he's I think this is a good next level of his career until Texas offers him a job, but that's another comment for another day. Yikes. Um, I don't want to see Jay buried in like the third guy role. I think he should be as the standalone color guy. I don't think there is like I don't think there is a third guy role too often, right? Because it, it's super awkward. Like when I mean, you saw it with Lapis, and that wasn't just because Jay is new. Like it wasn't awkward just because Jay was new. It's awkward because you have to manage three, and there's all and eighty percent of the time is taken up by the play by play. Like it's a well, weird. I mean, in the final four, in the final four, CBS and Turner do three. Yeah. Um, yeah, but okay, but that's yeah. that's two. That's literally two. And it's also like Grant Hill and Nance uh, or yeah. and Raftery, like that just right, know yeah. how to do it. Yeah. yeah, but that that's literally a special occasion. That's my point. It's like you you don't do that for ninety nine percent of the games. Correct. Usually it's play by play and color, and that's yeah, it. yeah. Because there's no need there's no need for two color guys. I no. can't wait to see Jay as the third man when Villanova cuts down the nets in the final four. From <laughs> your mouth to God's ears. Yeah, that would be something. That one was for Chris. Um. Should we, do, should we do awards? Yeah, awards. So the Shaq Fitman play of the week, which Willie alluded to, was the cam drive. Um, the he kind of missed he missed the layup, missed it, and yeah. then and, and I, this is the part that is crazy to me. He was higher than everybody else in the layup, came down, and was somehow the first back to the ball. I don't understand the explosiveness. <laughs> it's 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 like a crazy thing to think about, like. He was the one highest up to get the layup. He came all the way back down to the ground and got all the way back up and was first to the board to get the dunk. Absolutely. And what was wild was it wasn't like there was no one around him. He was, he absorbed contact. So he like energy happened. He absorbed contact, lost energy, went back up. When that happened, I had a moment where I was staring at, I was like, did he get like, was that illegal? Like, I literally had a moment of, like, did something illegal happen? Like, did the foul happen? Because it didn't make sense what just happened. I thought it didn't count because it was that absurd of a play. Like, in semi-pro when they do the alley-oop and it's like, is that a foul? Is that a technical foul or whatever it is? That's how I felt about what Cam did there. It didn't make sense to me watching a Villanova game because that's never happened at a Villanova game. <laughs> I, I, I would put my life savings. That's never happened at a Villanova game. In the history of Villanova basketball since 1939. Yeah, it's, uh, it's Cam guy. He's pretty good. Keep an eye on him. He's doing yeah. things. My future of basketball. You, you heard it here first. Um, Definitely. I mean, it's not going to be long before we get like a set play coming out of uh, timeout or or whatever for like an alley oop. Steal from... the Andre Jackson play that UConn does. Yeah, and just make that for Cam. Just do that. Yeah, hundred percent. Um. Okay, same, um, same, same, same deal. Alpha dog of the week is Cam Whitmore. <laughs> Gotta be. Like it's, it's just, it's just obvious, right? Like yeah. he comes off the bench and scores forty over two games, right? Like difference maker, and this team is different now, right? Like all yeah. of a sudden, this team is different. So, 
So, I mean, he's the alpha dog of the week. Um, that's cool and all, but I feel like this is the point at which I say Maddie Segrist had another 30 point game. So camp know, but like, 40 she does it all the time. Over, yeah. But like, <laughs> that's the whole point is she does it all the time. I know. Like, no, like, I can't. I can't have alpha her. dog of the week. Maddie is still my alpha dog of the season so far. Is all no, I, I can't find her on ESPN's mock drafts though. What what page do I have to go to see her? Because I got Cam on page one. <laughs> I hate you, Brian. Yeah, people hate me. Retweet. <laughs> people hate me. Um, he hate me. Um, no, oh. this is look. Maddie Segrist is, I'll, I'll agree with Rachel, the alpha dog of the year so far still. Yeah, okay, I'm on. Sure. I'm in for that. She's She's absolutely fucking phenomenal. She had a 2,000th point uh, recently. Um, She is en route. Like, Willie, do you have the the Shelly Pennefather? I'm working on that right now. Watch. How far is she from? from... She's at 2,116. Shelly Pennefather is, I think, 2,000. 300 hold on give me a second this is great so it's probably like five games yeah it's not four. yeah it's it's if she continues to score at the pace she's scoring it's probably five six games yeah, and villanova she... will have a new all-time leading scorer male or female like that's what she, people forget she's just putting up 30 pieces the wildcats are ranked 25 in the nation it's pretty it's, she's she's electric they got the team on the right side of the bubble for sure um and the women's team is doing great denise dillon's wildcats are, are killing it so you gotta give credit when credit's due uh i ain't passed the fucking ball jay wright on the broadcast jay, yeah i think that's yeah right. that's I what that's i was right. gonna say have too, we given yeah. two pass the fucking ball awards to jay yes we have two consecutive <laughs> pass the fucking ball awards <laughs> what did you do last week i forget the same thing. Oh, same thing. We're going to get a reputation. The full 40 hates Jay, right? Like, like Breaking news. Putting that, I'm going to make a breaking news template. What's he going to do? Not play Cam? <laughs> I'm coming back to coach. Yeah. Sit in the freshman. Yeah, exactly. Got to make Just to point. show you. Oh, would a guy like a Mark, I, uh, let's ask a question. Would a guy like a Mark be as developed as he is so far under Jay? No, absolutely not. Yeah. You wouldn't have gotten off the bat. On this team, I'm going to say yeah. No way. Yeah. Zero chance. I, I, because because we needed him. We needed him Because we this. need Because someone had, like, someone else besides Chris and Caleb had to play guard. Stop it. Has anyone played 40 minutes a game? No. Uh, I mean, Arch has got there, Arch is a three that, seven. There, <laughs> that means there are more minutes that they could have played. I don't want to hear it. Rob, oh, I'm going to come to your house and throw a tomato at you since you're obviously part of the Neptune Nation. <laughs> okay. Shelly Pally Fathers at 2,408, just so we get get that right. All right. So, so 10 Maddie's, games maximum. Yeah, Maddie's like 300 or two. What's math? She's, she's what year was the record set? Uh, Shelly last played in 87. It was a good year. Brian remembers it fondly. <laughs> Um, okay, so a little bit of a whip around the Big East um, real quick. Uh, so it's kind of UConn and everybody else. <laughs> like Creighton has been on a four-game tumble. Um, they haven't really won a basketball game since Thanksgiving. Yeah, but you said they got a guy that's as good as McDermott. On oh, my God, fucking Brian. Uh, no, 
Okay. <laughs> I saw Baylor Shireman on Creighton drill a three from the logo. And I said, this guy is giving me Ethan Raggy vibes from 2014. And, and, and I've been getting criticism on Twitter saying that I basically said that he was the second coming of Doug McDermott and therefore I had a bad take. And I was like, okay. Is he like LeBron James? <laughs> Chris only knows big names. <laughs> Rob, it's kind of like when you said in the early parts of the podcast when you were like, DiVincenzo's decision-making is almost as good as Brunson. Yeah, yeah. That was a great take. It was like it was like podcast like two or three. I didn't listen to that. You said that. I'm the biggest non type in the world. It was it was <laughs> he made he made like some like ridiculous pass or something like that. And like his vision all, great. This is when they were both freshmen before he got hurt. No, like, this is no this is the 2018 this is 18. Oh, that was 18. Dude, that was he made like some like great like great pass and I, I said that and definitely got roasted for it. <laughs> That's tough. Um, so my basketball chops. Do you remember when we had the most broken hands in college basketball? Like that was a literal stat because like four or five guys had broken 2018. Hands. Yeah. yeah. That's the formula. And that year, Brandon Slater was a recruit, and he broke his hand while he was a recruit for the program. A contact broken hand. Yeah. yeah. Um. So. So anyway, let's go back to the Big East. So UConn was. Um. It's UConn. Everybody else right now. UConn's up to number three in the country from an AP ranking standpoint <laughs> as of today. They're number one in Ken Palm. They're number one in the Massey Composite rating. They're number one in like every advanced metric. Um. So they are uh, in the really fucking good category. Uh, beyond that, Creighton, we said, has lost four games um, and is looking a little bit weak right now. Kaufbrenner's been out with uh, illness. So we'll see kind of how that plays out with time. Uh, beyond, beyond that, Marquette has kind of been the best, second best resume right there with Xavier kind of tied for the second best resume. Um, from the Big East, like I feel like right now, going into Big East play, you're looking at the Big East kind of having four teams in with UConn, Xavier, Marquette, and Creighton all being those four teams who have done enough. And Creighton is like a little bit close to slipping back a ways, but that win over Arkansas will continue to yeah. uh, pay dividends with time. And they have a win over AM. So, so. Uh, tech, sorry, that's what I meant to say. Um, they went over tech, so the, Creighton's going to be fine. Um, those four teams from the Big East are—I don't want to say locks, but those four teams from the Big East are are looking pretty good. And then after that, it's still a jumble. Um, St. John's has continued has gotten back on the winning track, but again, they haven't played anybody. Um, so we'll see kind of what happens there. And then uh, beyond uh, the Johnnies, uh, Butler continues to kind of look solid and um and villanova is coming up you know coming up so to speak so i i, I said five and a half was the over under i feel like a lot oh. of people will put it at four and a half creighton's down 11 to arizona state right now so Dude. if creighton loses that game they, they will sound some alarms and arizona state's good, pretty good right now they're nine and one they've had a couple of decent wins but i, I was like i thought they're playing and yeah it's not a great it would be the first Hurley to beat to to beat Creighton. <laughs> so, so there you go. There you have it. Um, 
that's a reference to the fact that UConn has still not beaten Creighton since being back in the Big East. Um, it's well over my head. So if any of our listeners didn't get that, you're in good company. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the look around the Big East. Willie, anything stand out to you from that perspective? I mean, when I think about the Big East, I mean, it's UConn. I, I could wax poetic about UConn and the way they've been built in that team. Um, they're just really, really good. I have, they're fun. I kind of, I, I, I've already put my stake on like DePaul being not terrible, but they'll prove me wrong. Um, St. John's is, I, I forget, did you put St. John's in that original category? I put St. John's in the category of the next mix of teams that are playing for a bubble position. They don't, I mean, they don't have any like, like they lost to Iowa state, which is like looking like a worse win. They haven't done anything absurd. They didn't lose to Nebraska. There's that. Um, They beat temple. There's also that St. John's is one that I'm interested in um, long-term. I think they could be pretty decent. Um, I liked, I like the David Jones transfer. Joel Soriano has been playing very well. So they're one that I'm like, I have my eye on. If I was like putting futures on anything, I like, I would put a future on Villanova. I think we're figuring it out. I would definitely put a future on St. John's as well. Just like they're looking, I think they will be, I think that's the, they have the make of a 20 win team that like sneaks in as an 11 seed and is like at least frisky. Yeah. Okay. And um, then, oh, if I mean, I'm looking, we're looking at positive things, but defund the Georgetown Hoyas. I, oh my God. I, feel, I actually feel generally bad for everyone there. It's, it's bad. It's, it's bad. You may, be, you may be watching the death of the program. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. They got annihilated by Syracuse. They did. And Syracuse is not good. No. It's, it's a, uh, it's a shame. It's a, it's a damn shame. They needed to have fired Ewing after last season. Like, I don't know how you go 0-19 for a conference play in the Big East and Ooh. and and not fire a coach, like the lack of accountability there. Now they're like, okay, if he wins a few games this year, like, what do you do? That's an improvement. Like, I don't, like it's, it's, it, it's so bad. The yeah. fluke Big East tournament championship that they had in 2021, it might be the worst thing to happen to that program. Yeah, like the easily, the easily. fact that they extended Ewing after that, mind boggling. Um, yeah, just the fluke. Honestly, it's our fault. We killed Georgetown because they beat us, and then they went on to win the won the tournament. And yeah, Colin Gillespie doesn't break his MCL, and Patrick George- Ewing is no longer the coach at Georgetown. Yeah, that's true. Butterfly effect, reflect effect. Um. Okay, so let's talk. Um, let's talk St. Joe's Holy War Week. Yeah. So I don't think we get into this Holy War conversation without reflecting on the fact that it's the ten-year anniversary of the Halil Kanasevich double middle finger to the Villanova student section game, and yeah, that game changed college basketball history forever. You talk about butterfly effect, Willie. Like, 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 from that moment, we were just counting before the we stepped on the podcast. We've lost sixty three games total in uh, in ten years. <laughs> I've won three final. I've made the three final fours, two national championship, multiple Big East crowns, regular season and tournament. And uh, St. Joe's has been 
made their tournament twice. They made it in 2014 and they made it in 2016, I believe, and has otherwise been fucking atrocious. Uh, and we have snapped off 10 straight wins uh, versus St. Joe's. So uh, looking for number 11 in the row, which would be the longest, and it already is the longest, but it would again set another record for the longest stretch of wins in um, in the Holy War rivalry series. So everything has changed since Halil kind of savage did that. And in that game, just to give you a little oral history here, right? Like he hit a th- the 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 double birds came after he hit a three ball, which like his first points of the game, double middle finger the Villanova student section. And from that point, they went up three. They lost that game, and he was the reason why they lost. Right? Like he threw the ball away. Right, like he missed critical free throws down the stretch. Like the Villanova student section came at him. He folded under the pressure of the student section. We go on to win that game tightly. Then, mind you, this was like two or three games separated from the Columbia loss. Right, like this is this is this was a bad time. We snap off a bunch of wins in a row. After a couple losses to great teams, we get them back on our home court. We beat Syracuse. Uh, that was the arch three to send it to overtime. We beat Louisville. We get back into the NCAA tournament. Haven't looked back since. So, so like Khalil Kanasevich, double middle finger, that created a shockwave through NCAA that resulted in the greatest era of Villanova basketball history. Indeed. All in. But that's come back to reality. I have to figure out what Julio's doing right now. Oh, he's playing in the Greek Basket League. Good for him. There you go. Maybe. You know, Did he play for Rick Patino? That's actually a great question. Keep talking, I'll figure it out. <laughs> he he also set up my fantastic four years of Villanova basketball. I was at both the Syracuse and Louisville games, rushed the court twice in a week. Then, you know, ever since then, it's really, really, it's like after that, we were set, man. So I would like to extend this gentleman a thank you and wish him the best of luck in the Greek Basket League. Oh, is that even? Is that what, is that what it is? It is. I I didn't know. I thought that was the lower level of it. No, it's still, it's still a high level at the very least. Well. It's, It's the highest level. Good for him. He should be careful because I hear the chop off. Tino coached in that league, right? Yeah, yeah. He played. Khalil did not play for Pantheon Kinos BC. That's what. That's who Patino coached, and this Khalil's playing for or played for. Like he hasn't played since 2018, so I don't know what the hell he's doing now. But anyways, yeah. Looking ahead at this current St. Joe's team. I want to give them a little bit of a shout out. They have three guards uh, and Eric Reynolds, Cameron Brown and Lynn Greer, who are basically the offense. Uh, If we can shut them down, we'll be good. But all three of them, good dynamic players. Um, Cameron Brown and Eric Reynolds are shooting above 40% from three. They're not particularly big. um, Either of those guards, Cam Brown, six, five, um, Reynolds is 6'2", Lynn Greer is 6'2", so we have a size advantage pretty much across the board there. Um, EJK Obina um, is also uh, he's 6'10 center. We've, played, we've seen him for a bunch of years. He's played against us a couple of times, um, <laughs> at least once. Yeah, I think Fine, not mute. 
Brian's giggling. I'm like, now that's just clicking, which is that? Oh my God, I didn't meet my mic. I've been absolutely <laughs> hammering this dude on Twitter. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna um, so he, he's also pretty decent. Um, but overall, when I look at this in jo- uh, Joe's team, it's can we bottle up Reynolds, Brown, and Lynn Greer? Um, if we can, we should be okay. They have a freshman in Rashir Fleming. He's a big man. He's been looking pretty good from what I can gather, um, but he's a freshman big man. I'd expect Eric Dixon to be able to handle that no matter what he throws at him. Um, once again, uh, if we're going to pick a player who's going to hit a bunch of threes versus us, Lynn Greer is shooting 10% from three on the year. Um, I'm not sure on what volume that is yet, uh, but that's regardless, that's absurd. Um, okay, he's two of 19. So he's going to hit three threes versus us. Just, just get that ready. Um, but this is much in a much larger scale. This is uh, everything's been a must win, but this is another must win. This is ideally a must dominate in cruise, but get the win, get to six and five, get into Big East play, fire Billy Lange, and let's get St. Joe's back to it, but not too back to it. Let's wait, let's wait. In the, in the, in the games of like, we absolutely cannot lose this game, right? Like there's three left on the season, right? Like, like it's the two Georgetown games and this game. Yep. Right? Like you have to win these three games or you've put a, such a blemish on your resume that it's impossible to overcome. Right. Like, and also given away, like we need to amass wins. So, so like we need to do it. This is the time. Yeah. So totally agree with everything you said. Would love a comfortable win. Given that it's in Hagen, I wouldn't be shocked if this is a little bit of a teeth-pulling exercise. That being said, St. Joe's plays a style of play that could hurt them because they play very up-tempo. We play very slow. So usually it's easier teams, it's easier for slower teams to control the pace. Um, but if they start to speed us up. Like, it's not like we're playing slow because we don't have the athletes to play fast, right? Like, this is like a team. There's several players on our team who would love to play quickly, right? Like, so, like, they might find themselves in a little bit of pain by trying to speed us up because it actually might allow our athletes to to, to kind of do what they do, if you will. But slowing them down, I think, is going to be the is going to be the play here. Just slow them down. Just make it a make it a slow paced game make them not be able to get out on runs <laughs> to do anything that they're trying to do. This is not a good team. They're not a particularly strong roster. They're not particularly tall. Um, Obina and Coleman both are on the, and Jansen are kind of on the taller side, but they're not, they don't, they don't play particularly tall. Like we got to rebound the basketball, create some extra possessions. I see this as a game that we should win when the final buzzer sounds by more than 10. And I think we will. Um, But it might look like a five to six point game for a lot of it before the final minute or so with free throws and whatever, stretching that lead out to above 10. I got a solid win. We'll get this done. Feeling better about this team. I like it. And then we get into Big East play. This is the last. This is the last non-con. It would be wild after all of this if we can finish non-con above five hundred. Oof. Yes, that's true. Be nice. I want to give one shout out to one St. Joe's player. There's a guy, Christian Winborn. If St. Joe's is going to turn it around long term, he's who it's going to be on. Uh, he's on a three-star recruit. Um, he was a person that I saw coming out, and I like in the back of my head was like, he could eventually develop to like be Villanova level player. Um, he's 
a freshman. He's working it out right now. But I hope to see good things. For, I hope he stays at St. Joe's because he's the type of player that I want to see long-term us playing and all that fun stuff. So I want to give him a shout out. Um, yeah, but I we we need to win this game by like 10. All right. Well, I guess that's it. Just one game this week. So, I mean, anything else you want to hit? I don't got anything else, Rob. I'm good on my end. Good luck on your finals, students. Yeah, good luck. Oh, yes. Yeah. Do not, do not miss yep. those days. Um, we have a guest for next week's podcast. Uh, the plan as of right now LeBron is, James. For, is for LeBron James to join us on the podcast. Um, no, the LeBron James, yeah. LeBron James of Big East announcing John Fanta, um, also from Cleveland, Ohio. So, so um, John will be joining us, uh, is planned to join us on the podcast if, if he's able to make it. Um, next week we'll be recording a week from today, um, which would be next Monday. Um, and then, and then that'll be, that podcast will be out for consumption, um, hopefully Tuesday so that you guys have a St. John's prep, but more than anything else, that's going to be for, uh, previewing the big East season to come a very critical big East, uh, regular season for Villanova, maybe the most critical big East regular season for Villanova since, for a long time since we need as much as we can get to go right to find ourselves back on the right side of the NCAA tournament bubble. So with that being said, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at the full 40. You can find us on Spotify, Apple podcast, YouTube, SoundCloud um, under the same name. Thank you everybody for listening. And as always, let's go Nova. <laughs>